I want to introduce myself. If you don't know who I am, you're here maybe for the first time. My name is Pastor Derek, and I want to welcome you to Connect, and uh, it's an honor to uh, have you as our guest. Um, we're going to get right into our message this morning. Uh, I've been out of the pulpit for a few weeks, so I'm feeling pretty excited. So are you guys ready to get the... I feel like I could preach the paint off the walls, you know, like I've been held back. You know what I'm saying? My daddy used to say, you know, I feel so good I could kick a door down. You know, or I feel like I could stop a prowler with a squirt gun, you know, or I could kill a bear with a switch, you know, anything. I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? All right, well, uh, we're going to get into a new series uh, entitled Four Cups. It's interesting. It's actually going to be four cups over six weeks, so that'll be a little confusing out of the gate, but we'll make sense out of it as we go forward. Uh, I'll, I'll start things out. As, as you get your worship guides out, you can follow along, and, or you can follow along also on version. I think our entire worship experience is inside there as well. But, but uh, I have a pastor uh, in my life, Pastor Chris Hodges, and years ago we met almost uh, oh, 15, 16 years ago now, maybe more. Um, but our lives just joined uniquely. Um, but it was a few years ago that he shared kind of... Uh, um, a, a revelation that he received from God, and and when I heard it, it was just it was just something that just synced up with something that I always believed in my Christian experience, but really couldn't put legs to. In other words, the vision was clear, but the strategy to accomplish it and kind of the why behind what we do wasn't clear to me. And I always believed that um, you know our spiritual life is a journey. In other words, um, what happens between you and God, your relationship is, uh, the, the, the starting point for that is a decision. It's a decision. And a decision that can actually change your heart in a second. But your life is changed over time. It's a process. It's not a program. It's a, it's a multiplicity of experiences, not necessarily an event or a weekend service. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so people can be going from meeting to meeting and event to event, but really no life change. Maybe there's a heart change, but their lifestyle is not changed. And so there needs to be this, this journey that people go on. And so this series is about taking you kind of on a journey and helping you see really what we're trying to do as a church here locally and beyond, hopefully. And so the background for uh, this particular series really is um, it's, it's around a meal. It's around, uh, in the Old Testament, it's known as the Passover, uh, the Seder Supper, um, in a new covenant or new testament or kind of new way of thinking, you might call it a progressive dinner. Has anybody ever been to a progressive dinner before? So there's just phases to the meal. And so I want you to see that this, uh, this experience, this progressive meal, this Seder supper, uh, it, it reflects or shows us or mirrors a path that God wants to take each and every one of us on in a spiritual journey as we live here on this earth. Are you tracking with me? And back in um, the Exodus account, if you were to uh, study um, the Passover, which we'll get into that a little bit more next week. We have a very powerful service for you next week as well as Easter. But next week on Palm Sunday, we're going to talk about Passover. Um, but in this Passover experience, uh, what was uh, sometimes unknown to us as we experience communion today, communion and Passover are synonymous. Like when you, when you celebrate uh, communion, that was what we know as the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22. That was the first communion that was ever experienced there. But that was actually something they were doing for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so 
the tradition was back then, and what we, what we thought it was, I should say, was to have a, a cup, you know, and some bread, and then we pray, and that's communion. But actually, there were a multiplicity of cups at the Passover meal. In fact, when you read Luke chapter 22, you're going to see the cup referred to several times. And I used, well, was always confused by that. But when you, when you receive some information from what the Jewish tradition was, and you see how things have been passed down historically, there are actually four cups at the Seder Supper. There are actually four cups at the Passover experience. Four cups of wine. How many know at the end of four cups, you're going to be having a party? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody's going to be happy at the end of that Seder supper, you know. Anyway, um, but they would read through one portion of scripture, and they've been doing this particular portion of scripture as a tradition from then till today, whenever the Passover is celebrated. And in in uh, these four cups, they read from uh, Exodus chapter six, and there are four statements that are read. And in these four statements that are read, as they drank these four cups from these four cups of wine, there were four keys to God's plan for the people of God back then that are also applied to the people of God today. In other words, the principles or these keys that are in these statements are eternal. They're there for them and they're there for us today. Can I have an amen? These four cups represent God's plan for people's lives. And uh, you can see these principles, not just in the Exodus account in chapter 6, but you can actually see them throughout the entire uh, scriptures. You can see it in the New Testament a lot. You can see it, in fact, our membership covenant was actually based on uh, the Great Commission. And inside the Great Commission, you still see these four keys, these four statements. You can see it in uh, the book of Acts. You can see it in the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's throughout scripture, cover to cover. And it originated not with just Jesus in the Great Commission, but it actually originated in the heart of God all the way back 3,000 years ago. And he's always felt that way about you and about me. And so we actually rewrote our membership covenant around these four cups, and it's influenced a lot of what we do here as a church. In fact, the first Sunday of every month, uh, we have what's called C101, Church 101, and that's where I'll always teach these four cups uh, on a monthly basis. But from time to time, it needs to be brought forward in the entire church assembly, and it needs to be reviewed and reminded. And I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and teach you some things that I've never taught before uh, in church regarding this. But I want to show you the journey. And this series is kind of the heart of our church. And the, the, the motivation behind it is <clears throat> many of us would say, I love God. Many of us would say, I love my church. But I think there's something inside of us that cries out, there's got to be more. Like, is there more than that to the Christian experience here on earth? It's just, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. What about you? You know, it's got to be more than that. Is there something else? And so I want to talk about that because the answer is emphatically, yes, there's more. And I want to begin with kind of a, this thought that, again, 3,000 years ago, God had some promises to a group of people, uh, Israelites, that were in Egypt. Israel, a type of church. Egypt, a type of world. So if you can see the parallel, a lot of the things that you look at in the Old Testament make sense when you look at them through the lens of the New Testament. So when you read the Old Testament, there are principles and there are, there are, there are keys that are concealed that in the New Testament and through the glasses of the New Testament are revealed and unpacked. Does that make sense? So when you see Israel, you should think 
church. When you see Egypt, you should think the world and the world system in which we live. And that's kind of the parallel that I want you to understand. And those promises that were back then given to these people stand at the heart of everything God wants to do in our life. They're timeless truths for a life of fulfillment. You know, uh, and, they, and these promises, they have a, a, a certain guarantee to them. Years ago, years ago, my wife and I, we were on a uh, vacation. And it was one of those vacations where you, um, you get this special deal if you'll do this special thing. In other words, here's four nights and five days as long as you go and do this timeshare tour. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> anybody feel the same kind of ugly feelings inside that I feel? Sorry if you're in that business, I apologize. But somehow, it, we were early, we were young, I was stupid. I said yes. It was a great deal. It was a great deal. It seemed like a great deal at the time, right? And I determined I was not going to budge no matter what. And just to skip ahead, I never did. But it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Like, I thought I was going to have to arm wrestle a guy or knock him out at the end of this whole experience. But I can just remember him coming out, and he put an offer on the table for this timeshare. You know, it only took him about 20 minutes, and he puts this offer out on the table. I said, no, no way, Jose. I looked at my wife. She said, no way, Jose. He said, you know, hold on just a second. And he, he left the room and he went back and talked to somebody. He probably was just in a closet twiddling his thumbs. And then he came back out and he said, here, I, got, I talked to so-and-so. This is what we can do for you. Slash. 50%. Just like that. Boom. 10 minutes. 50% reduction. Here's my new offer, you know? And this thing just kept happening. He probably did this three or four times. And finally, I said no. And the guy got up mad. Like, I've never given a, better, given a better deal than this, you know? This is a guarantee. I promise. You're not going to get a better offer than this. But anyway, we walked away. But the reason I tell you all that is because God is not like that guy. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, every promise he gives, all right, it has a guarantee to it, and it's the best offer you can possibly get right out of the gate. Can I have an amen out there? All right, so in your notes, you can look this up, but, but God has these promises for us. In 2 uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, God has given us his very great and precious promises. Everybody say precious promises. So that through them, in other words, they have a purpose. They actually do two things. You may, number one, participate uh, in the divine nature. Divine nature, kind of it's hard to explain, but chances are, uh, sometimes we understand things by contrast. Chances are you're not always participating in the divine nature, something that's divine, something that's supernatural. In other words, uh, you may be living more a natural life than a supernatural life, but God desired you to live a supernatural life. To take your natural and add his super to it, right? So that it would be incredible. It would be amazing. And, and sometimes we're not looking like what God intended for us to look like. And God designed you, never designed you, excuse me, to live just a base natural life. No, instead, he wants to do something amazing through you, amen? So, so number one, participate in the divine nature. And number two, escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, that's, that's, what, those, those are the, that's what it looks like to have this promise. So God has these promises. And actually, by the way, God's word is just filled with promises. Filled with promises. Over 6,000 promises in the Bible. And, and, and they're a weapon against these, these, the corruption of the world and these evil desires. And the Bible offers them to us. Uh, in fact, the scripture calls the word of God, in some cases, the sword of the spirit. 
The sword of the spirit. In other words, it cuts through all the junk and pierces through all those types of things. They're a weapon. Are you following me out there? So write this down in your notes. A promise, though, is an offer with a guaranteed result, if you don't get that already. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. It's not like this timeshare guy. No, it's a guarantee, and it's going to be a good result. And I want to dangle in front of you this offer. There's going to be many offerings I'm going to present to you today as God's representative, okay? And, and I want to, you to see that God has an offer to you. And chances are we haven't realized the offer or offers that God has for us as a Christian. And when God makes a promise, what you need to know that is that he always, come through, he always comes through on his promise. And, and, and truthfully, many of you, you know that intellectually, but sometimes experientially you haven't, you haven't felt that way, or sometimes you don't believe that, but it's true. Chances are you've had promises made to you that someone has broken. Maybe it's been a coworker, a neighbor, it's been a parent, it's been a coach, it's been a boss, it's been an employer, whatever. All of us have been on the, the other side of broken promises, yes or no? Yes. Many of us have been that way, and, and, but not God. Not God. And I'm going to prove it to you. Not God. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45 in your notes, it says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So while they were living, they, they thought like many of us. That's not true. God didn't come through on all his promises. But he did come through on his promise to the people of God. It didn't happen at the timing. It didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. But every single one of them was fulfilled. It didn't look that way at first, but it happened. And you might think that too. You might be in that kind of mindset at different times. But he always fulfills his promises. And I'm going to show you that. Look in Hebrews 6 in your notes. This is reading from the message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the scriptures. In verse uh, 17 of chapter 6, it says, When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his what? He gave his word. A rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, therefore the promise is likewise unchangeable. See that word there, unchangeable? It, it, it refers to unconditional his promises are unconditional. His promises are unchangeable. Another way to say it is his promises are eternal. They're eternal. And we who have run for our very lives to God, I love how he says that, um, have every reason to grab the promised hope. So promises, by the way, need to be apprehended. They need to be, uh, we'll get into this in a little bit. Grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. This, in other words, this is the journey that God wants us for, uh, for us to go on. He wants us to grab with both hands. And I'm going to help you see this in this series as we go forward, but that, that God has more than you are currently experiencing in your Christian experience. And if you, don't, if you don't want that, this church might not be the right church for you because Connect is going for it. Like, we're, we want more. We're believing for more, Right? So here's what it says. It's an unbreakable spiritual life. What is? The promises. It's an unbreakable spiritual life. This, this is what it does. Reaching past all the appearances right to the very presence of God. Wow. Wow. And I'm dangling that in front of you. That's an offer that God has for us. Here's what you need to know to get these promises. Here's three things you need to know. Number one, to apprehend these promises, to grab hold of these promises. Number one, I need to know his promises. I need to know them. Some of you know them, some of you know some of them, some of you don't know them at all. They need to be made known to you, okay? First Chronicles 17 says, O Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing 
and what? And you have made known all these great promises. David was celebrating these promises. He was rejoicing in these promises. He was seeing it. And, and where are they again? They're in his word. They're in the Bible. The Bible, again, is full. I mean, just chock full of incredible promises from God. And they will help you. They'll help you experience the divine nature of God, the supernatural side of God, and they'll help you uh, overcome or avoid or escape the corruption of the world is what we were reading earlier. Is everybody out there? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good preaching so far. All right. We'll see how he does the rest of the way. This is why, this is why when I talk about the promises of God, I, I want you to fall in love with what I'm getting ready to say. It's imperative that you read your Bibles. I love to read my Bible. I, I want you to fall in love with reading the Bible. And, and I hope that something happens today that unlocks a passion and desire for you to get back in your That's why we encourage you reading the one-year Bible. We have right on our, our, our home page, we have you know, uh, easy access to a one-year Bible. And it's not so that you can conquer it, it's so that you can internalize it so, that it, so that it will renew your mind. It actually transforms you, not informs you. It doesn't just give you information. It gives you insight and wisdom into situations. The word of God is incredibly powerful and you need to, you can go online and you can read a, a psalm and a proverb and a portion of the New Testament, the Old Testament. And sure, you can get through that in the whole year. But what I want to see you do is when you read that, will you get just like one nugget? That's kind of funny for the marriage retreat people but, that, were, that were there, but it, that's an inside joke. But I want you to get just one, one portion of scripture that just that pops out at you. And this may discourage you or, or encourage you, I don't know, but when I read my one-year Bible, it doesn't all speak to me. Yeah, but you're the pastor. I know, it, but it doesn't all hit me. But there's always one promise or one portion of Scripture, and I walk away and I go, wow, you know, I'm going to chew on that, and I'm going to meditate on that, and I'm going I'm to internalize that, and I'm going I'm to put that on a cue card and put that on my mirror or, or stick that into my phone or something like that. That's what happens to me every time I read the Bible. There's a promise for every single situation in your life, and, and this is a discipline that, that I have as a believer, that we must have as a believer, where you, when you need to be sustained in, does anybody face any tough times out there? If you're facing adversity, if you're facing some kind of problem in your life or whatever, confusion, chaos, conflict, sickness, it, 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 it speaks to you, these promises. And there's not a situation in your life where God, that you will face that God doesn't have a promise in his word. Not one. I promise you that. And where life doesn't make sense and you hold on to the promises of God. And when life is chaotic and when life is filled, again, with all these, with tragedy, with tragedy, questions. What does the Bible tell us to do? Hold, grab hold of the promises of God. Is anybody getting excited? I'm, a, I'm having a good time. I just want you to know, preach, pastor. Come on. You know, anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to amen myself if you guys don't amen me. In other words, when there's fear in your heart, Psalm 27.1 says, you know, whom shall I be afraid? You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I'm under attack, you ever feel like you're under attack and the devil's just kind of beating you up and just beating you up and beating you up? That's why 1 John 4.4 4 says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Another scripture, it says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. Romans 8.37 says, we are now more than conquerors through him who loved me. Can I have an amen? amen? 
You know, when you're feeling sick, Psalm 103 verse 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes, I am healed. Amen? So you just need to keep speaking the promises of God. When you have a problem in your mouth and you need to go to the dentist, it says he'll crown him with many crowns. It doesn't say that. I just made that up. It doesn't say that. Okay, so don't get worried. <laughs> it does say in Psalm 81.10, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. So anyway... That's your dentist promise, okay? But there's a verse, there's a nugget, there's a portion of scripture for every situation that you are going through in your life. My wife and I, we were looking for a home for many years uh, when we lived down the street here. And we were, we were, uh, we were believing God, you know, um, for a bigger place. And, and we had uh, under, uh, this is, you know, it's all relative, but I'm just going to be transparent. But it was under a thousand square feet and we had, we had six of us living in, in, in less than a thousand square feet. We had one bathroom and it was like central command for the house. You know what I'm saying? Like we learned how to be efficient in there. You know what I mean? Like a kid's on your shoulders, they're brushing their teeth up here and I'm brushing my teeth down here and another kid's peeing in the pot right behind us there. And it's how we live. It's just how we rolled, you know? And I can remember we prayed for a home and we believed God. And the Bible tells us in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, to write that vision down. And so we did. We wrote down what we thought we prayed. And we wrote down what we thought God wanted. By the way, I'm not on caffeine. This is just Jesus juice. <laughs> we wrote down what God wanted us. Uh, we believe what God wanted for us. And he'll give you the desires of your heart that are in accordance with his will. Psalm 37, 4. And Habakkuk 2, 2 said to write this stuff down. So we wrote it down. And then we put that right up on our mirror. So every single day, our whole family, we just saw the vision for our house. And one day we walked. Uh, we were with a realtor from our church. And uh, we were her first customer that she ever had. That's a little scary. But anyway, uh, like I said, we're people of faith. Uh, so we went to this house. And we walked in this house. And we looked at each other. We said, we looked at each other. This is it. This is the home. We just kind of looked, you know, we both knew. We didn't say it out loud. And uh, we left and we told our realtor, we said, Michelle, Michelle, this is the house. We know this is the one. How much does it cost? She told us what it cost. We said, that this ain't going to happen. And it's just not going to happen. And so we, we went home. We prayed about it. And we said, we, we think we can do this. But it's, it's way below what, what the asking price was. And she was really discouraging that. And she's trying to be conservative. And she certainly didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver it, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, listen, Michelle, I said, what you need to do is, Stacy and I have prayed about this. You need to get a meeting where we're all in the same room. We'll go in one room and make an offer. You go, they'll be, the other family will be in the other room. You go tell them the offer, and we'll just be right, 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 right next door. And then we'll come out in the middle, and we're going to meet them, and then we'll leave, and they're going to accept the offer. You'll see. Why do you think that? I said, God told me that's what's going to happen. Said, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You don't do business like that. We don't, you don't meet in the same place. It's awkward. People will feel under pressure. I said, I know. I know. That's the point. I just need you to set up the meeting the way I said. This is what God told me to tell you to do. And so she, she was reluctant. I mean, I had to keep pressing her and pressing her and pressing her. Finally, she set up the meeting. We went to this place. We went in one, one room, and we could hear them in the other room. And they're, you know, they're talking and said, this is what I want you to present. Present the offer. She goes in the other room, presents the offer. They, they, she comes back. She says, no way. They can't. They're not, that, they, that's not even close. I said, I said uh, go, pre, go present. Here, we'll make an adjustment. We only went up just We knew what our lid was. We went up just a little bit. 
bit. She came back. She said, it's not going to work. I said, okay, well, why don't you, why don't you just, um, we'll just say goodbye. Why don't you bring them out into the middle, and uh, we'll, we'll just greet them and, and thank them. So we came all out. We get in a circle, and, and the, the mother of the owner of the home, she looks at Stacy, and she looks at all little ducklings all lined up, <laughs> and they're all sitting there like, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Just perfect. It was awesome. We bribed them so much, it was incredible, you know what I mean? They were going to get like cookies for a year or something like that, I don't even remember. But uh, the mother just goes, oh my God, she goes over and hugs Stacey, so nice to meet you, and she shakes my hand, and after she hugs Stacey, she looks back and she grabs, she goes, honey, and she looks back at her husband, she goes, I want them to have the house, I want them to have the house, give them the house, whatever, just, I want them to have the house, we'll take it, we'll take the offer. That was it. We got the house. Come on, somebody. That's the house I'm living in right now. Because God's word is powerful. But there were some things in there that I had to do, you know, that I hopefully that you'll see as we go forward in this message. Amen. You may, you may, you, whatever it is. Some of you, how many got kids that are driving? Anybody? I got four kids now driving. Four. Extend your hands towards the pastor right now, okay? <laughs> Sweet Lord. That's why Psalm 122 says, God will bless your coming in and your going out. And I pray that over my kids all the time. You know, I had one particular daughter. I had to pray for that a lot. A lot. Find you a verse and claim it today. Amen. You got to know the promises of God. Okay, I got to get more. Get going here. So here's the next thing. I need to understand his promises. Some of you are thinking that God uh, uh, is false advertisement sometimes. He says stuff and he doesn't come through on those things. Numbers, this is not in your notes. This is a bonus scripture for those of you who are interested. But Numbers 23, 19, it says this. Listen to this. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And the answer is no. He always carries out his promises. But some of you might be thinking, yeah. And this is, what you, this is your problem. You need to fully understand some things about the promises of God and how they work. There are a few things sometimes you need to know. Number one, he doesn't change his mind. So the first thing about God is he doesn't change his mind because of circumstances. There's two sides to this. One side is that his, no matter what's going on in your life, what things you could do wrong, what things, chaos in the world, things that oppose you, whatever it is, his promises are eternal, they are unconditional, they are unchanging. They are, they are unconditional, but they are also conditional. They are unconditional and they are conditional. In other words, every promise has a premise to it. Every promise has a, princ a principle connected to it as well. Uh, a, a, trans a way to understand this is I have things that I want to give my kids, all 400 of them. And, but but um, I can't if they choose not to be in relationship with me. I can't, I can't bestow, bless, and I can bless them far beyond what they're capable of doing for themselves, which is how God is but way more. I can't bless them unless they're in relationship with me. Does that make sense? If they're apart from me, if they choose to disconnect from me, then the promises have a condition to them. I love them unconditionally. I can't wait to bestow uh, those blessings of those promises upon them, but there's a condition that they be connected in relationship with me. 
All right? So sometimes we are ascribing uh, um, things to God that are simply not true because we don't understand how the promises work. We say, where is God? Where was God? He never moved. You did. You did. All right? Here's the second thing. He always, promises always require faith. They always require faith. Let me give you some pastoral advice. Get used to that. That's part of the journey is to, to grab hold of the promises is going to require faith. People say, I want to be blessed in my finances. Well, God has given us these principles of tithing. Oh, now it's going to get quiet in here. All right? But, but, but we, well, I'm, I want that guarantee. There is a guarantee, but it requires faith. Everybody say it requires faith. You have to step out. You have to believe in it. Even if you don't see it, you got to get used to that. The Bible says in Hebrews, without faith... It is impossible to please him. So I don't think it's there. I don't know if I'm going to go there. Okay, I'm going to go there. Oh, look, it's there. That's basically what happens when we trust God. It's a leap, but believe it when you don't see it. The promises work for you. Financial promises, healing promises, relational promises, eternal promises. Isn't it interesting that we can trust the eternal promises of God, but we can't entrust the temporal promises of God that he has in his word? I'm certain that when I die and I draw my last breath, I'm going to be in heaven eternally because of what God's word said. But I'm not certain that I can stand on his word regarding my health or regarding my finances or regarding my relationships or whatever it is. There's something wrong with that, peeps. There's something wrong with that, right? Okay, here's the last one. God does it his way in his time. Here's another aspect of the promise. He does it his way in his time. This part we don't like because he's kind of slow. I don't mean he's dumb. That's, that, would be, that would be wrong. I mean patient. So when I talk about slow, I don't mean slow like we think, like I am. I mean he's patient. He's patient. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, you can look at it on your own, but he's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anybody to be separated from him. That's why he waits sometimes for us because he loves us, because he wants as many people as possible to be uh, blessed by him and in relationship with him. And so a lot of times I'm, I'm like with God, just, just, just do it, you know, I, just take, I don't want to, don't take me through it, just do it. But God's like, no, 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 while we're here, we're going to learn something. Because I want to do something, no, I'm good with just being stupid, just take me. <laughs> no, 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 son, we're going to learn something while we're going through this, okay? Because he's not just interested in our comfort, he's interested in our character. He's not just interested in externally fixing things, he's trying to internally fix things, Amen. And, and he's teaching me something through this process. And so it's a big deal. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. As, and so through him, uh, the amen is spoken to us, the glory of God. So you need to know them. You need to understand them. And next, I need to pursue them. Say, I need to pursue them. You got to get after it. The Christian experience is not just treading water. It's not just sitting back, you know, ease the seat back, you know, some of some time. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not, it's, there's some pursuit. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. There, life is motion. Life is motion. We need to be moving. And they're not, these promises are not just going to automatically come to you. You're going to have to chase them down. Notice what David said in your notes. Psalm 119, 140 says, your promises have been thoroughly tested. He tested them. He tried them out. He put them to work. 
Malachi says, test me in this. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing. There's the promise you cannot contain. All right, so he, was, he tested these promises, and now your servant loves them. Now your servant loves them. He didn't love them necessarily before, but he loved them once they were tested and tried and worked. Psalm 119, 148 in your notes says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. He's thinking about them. He's chewing on them. He's stewing on them. And he has like a zeal and energy uh, needed, I guess, to pursue these things and see these things come to pass. I was looking up the... um, in my study for this particular message, I was looking up the, it's a big word, but the etymology of the word promise and kind of how things are broken out. And there's really two words inside the word promise, pro and miss, pro and miss. And uh, if I could do a bunch of stuff on this, but it'd take too long. But basically it means, this word means to send forth. But even more specifically, when you look up this word, it, it refers to a guarantee about somebody's future. Promise is referring to a specific guarantee to one's future. And here's, the, here's what we can really take away from promises of God. And here's what I can tell you. I can guarantee you something about your future. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God's word and God's promises give us the ability to bring certain guarantees to people. If we'll live the promises and understand them and know them and pursue them, it's going to guarantee a certain future for us. And what I'm saying is, again, know them, understand them, pursue them, and you're going to have something more, something better. That's a guarantee than what you're having maybe right now. Did you hear what I said? If you like the way things are going for you right now, knock yourself out. We should be following you. Tell us what you do. I envy you. I envy you. You know, keep doing that. But how many know some buts are good? Turn to your neighbor and say, some butts are good. All right? But if you think there's something better, then I'm saying to you, according to God's word, there is. And so I'm making an offer, and, these, and the offer is related to these four original promises that came through in God's word, and they're talked about in the Passover. And all over the Bible, all the promises that you see in the scripture, again, there's over 6,000, they all come under these four core promises that I'm getting ready to share with you. They all support one of these four key promises that I'm going to share with you. So God's core promises. Here's where the fantastic four are found. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. It says this. Everybody getting something out of this? Therefore, if you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Therefore, says, say to the Israelites, this is what they did at the progressive meal. This is what they did at the Seder supper. This is what happens at Passover for hundreds of years. They sat down and they read this scripture. And while they're reading the scripture, they had, they had the bread, but they had four cups of wine, okay? All right, so here's what's going on. They, they start reading, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. That key word, I will bring you out. In other words, I'm not trying to change you first. I'm not trying to change your behavior. I'm trying to get you out. I'm trying to get you out of bondage. You are enslaved to the world, and I can't do anything with you until we do that first. I want to get you. I want to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you. Wait a second. I thought you just freed me. I'll free you from being slaves. No, he's not talking about getting us out of Egypt. Now he's talking about getting Egypt out of us. Okay, so what sometimes we don't understand is he wasn't talking about the physical slavery. Listen, hope you can get this. Hope I can explain this. He's not talking about the physical slavery. In other words, he's not talking, 
they were, they were enslaved. They were in bondage. Their destiny was to be slaves forever. It was a horrible destiny. That first had to be changed. Same with us in our spiritual life. Our eternal destiny is, is what God wants to, uh, he wants to fix and solve first. That's the first and foremost. But then once this is worked out, in the here and now, we've got to get the heart of slavery out of us. So we've got out of the world, now we've got to get the world out of us. We have these patterns of thinking. We have these ways of behavior. They were thinking wrong, and they didn't know how to act. And so we'll study more on that freedom later. We did a whole series on that uh, uh, just a little while ago. Um, I'll free them, and I will redeem. Everybody say redeem. Redeem, redeem basically means these people's original destiny was not to be a slave. So he says, he says I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to restore them to their original purpose, their original intent, their, their uniqueness, the way what I created them to do on the earth. That's what, he, that's what redeem means. Does that make sense to everybody out there? All right. And with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people. This is the coolest part, in my opinion, in the whole uh, part, portion of this scripture. And I'll explain it in just a few minutes, hopefully, and do a good job. And I will be your God. Then you will know, and we can personalize this, then you'll know, connect, that I am the Lord your God. Because why? Because you're going to see a massive change in your life. You're going to see a massive change in the course and trajectory of your life who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So inside this portion of scripture, you see, uh, you see a bunch, it's kind of the summary is I'll bring you out, I'll free you, I'll redeem you, and I'll take you as my own people, and I'm going to basically do something incredibly powerful and great through you. So let's, let's kind of look, let's get a sneak peek at what these four things mean, and then over the rest of the series, we're going to unpack each one in depth. So here's the preview. Number one, I will bring you out. Everybody say, I'll bring you out. This is, this is where God promises me salvation. And here's the problem about what we think salvation is about. Listen, many think salvation is an association with something. Instead, it is a relationship with someone. Let me say that again in maybe a different way. Some people think that salvation is about doing something, things, doing some things, when it's trusting in something that's already been done by someone, Jesus. Okay, so we think it's about works, but actually we're trusting in a finished work that Jesus saved me on the cross, but by faith, by grace through faith, I accept what he did for me, and by that I can be saved. Are you getting me out there? But scores and scores of people associate their salvation with religion, with religious behavior, with practices instead of relationship and lifestyle and habits. Are you getting me? So I, I don't know. Have you drank from this first cup? There's an offer on the table for you. Have you drank from the first cup of salvation? Are you drinking from religion or relationship? Have you, are you drinking from liturgy or life in Christ? What is, and what is that filter? How do I know? How do I know? Maybe you had it and it was lost or it was broken, but whatever the case is, each one of these cups that I'm going to share with you, is, is you're going to be in one of these cups you're going to be in this journey. This supper is going to reveal uh, where you're at in the path towards God's promise. And, and every one of you are in one of these four cups right now. You might be in the first one. Look at, and you can tell, and here's a filter, is Titus 3. Look at this in your notes. Titus 3, verse 3 through 8. This is from the message again. It wasn't so long ago that we, those who drank from this first cup ourselves, were stupid and stubborn. Eugene, tell us what you really think. Dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands. 
<laughs> Basically, he's saying is that your triune body, spirit, mind, body, your spirit isn't leading. Your body's leading the pack. It's king of the hill, basically. Going around with a chip on your shoulder, hated and hating back. This is what it, this is what it looked like before your life in Christ. But when God, everybody say, when God. Our kind and loving Savior God stepped in. He saved us from all that. In other words, all that aforementioned, all that stuff you did before, and it was all his, all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. Here's what God did. He gave us a good bath. He came out, we came out of this bath, new people. That's what really a Christian defined as, a new person, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. And our Savior Jesus poured out new life. That's another example of what it means to be Christ. So generously, God's gift has restored our relationship with him. That's, this is the bedrock of the gospel, what the scripture is talking about. This is what it means to be saved. So this is saying that salvation is not based on religion, it's based on relationship. And so if you haven't come into relationship with God, according to his word, you're not currently saved. You haven't experienced this first offer, this first guarantee, this first promise that is there for you. And God wants you to have that. It's, the most, it's so important that you get that. It, it, everything else is, 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 um, is, is secondary or follows that first cup, that first offer. If your old life is still there... You know, if you're still, if you're still following the, the corruption of this world, and evil, maybe, you, maybe you haven't drank the first cup. There's an offer to everyone who wants to be saved. But here's the cool part. There's more. Everybody say, there's more. Okay? So here's the second thing. I will free you. I will free you. Now, chances are 80 to 90% of you are in this cup right here that I'm getting ready to talk about here. You're in this place. And here's what, it, here's, here's, here's what this means. This cup is God has promised me deliverance. God has promised me deliverance. All right? Now, that word deliverance, it kind of freaks some people out. In other words, when you hear that word, you think, you know, you think like a Catholic priest coming, you know, with a big cross, you know, and some demon up there, you know, somebody hanging from the ceiling, you know. <laughs> head spinning or something like that, you know. But this here, here's deliverance is, is really less about demons and more about people who are still trapped in their old life. Did you get what I said? In other words, there are spiritual forces at work that try to oppose us, but there's a sinful nature that's at war with the godly nature. So once you, once you sip of that first cup, once you've accepted what Christ has done for you, you have this part worked out, now there's a war that's begun, and it's between this new nature, this new life, and this old life. And those two things are at war with each other, and if you're in that second cup, don't feel bad. The Apostle Paul, probably one of the super Christian, many would call him, you know, he, he accomplished so much. He struggled himself with these same kind of issues. Oh, wretched sinner that I am, he said in one instance. In Romans chapter 7, it's in your notes, verse 25, it says, so then, this is Paul speaking, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. In other words, he says, when sin knocks at my door, I answer. Even though I have this godly part of me that's good, when sin goes, to, 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 hey, let me in, he says, oh, come on in, come on in. He struggles too. Therefore, and he gives us a way out here, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody online needs to hear that this morning, that you might be in the second cup, but just because you're at war, here's how we overcome in that war, is understanding this promise that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation always makes you look back. Conviction makes you look forward and do something about it. Amen? And so why is this important? Because we want to know what God thinks about. We think God's upset with our duplicity, and he's up there, you know, all tight with us. And he says, you know, you raised your hand last week. Put your hand down. Are you serious? That's what we think God is thinking like. We're, we're, we're applying our, uh, you know, our posture, our position, our perspective to our faith instead of God's posture, position, and perspective on our faith. And it's messing us up. And that's not good. It's not good at all. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free. Everybody say, set me free from the law of sin and death. And that's what many of us need. Tons of Christians stay here, though. Tons of Christians are, are, are like a gerbil on a treadmill. We're just, I'm just getting free. I'm just getting free. I'm just getting free. I'm working things out. I'm working things out. I'm going to spend the rest of my life just working on me. How's it going? Well, God's not finished with me yet. That's what I talk to people sometimes. Say, how's it going? You and your family. God's not done with me yet. He ain't never going to be done with you. You keep talking like that. <laughs> you know, I'm lint pickers, I call them. Spiritual lint pickers. You know what I mean? Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. You will be picking lint the rest of your stinking life. And so that's why there has to be more. Everybody say more. more. You may not know that, but there's two more offers on the table. And here's the next one. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. This means, again, to put something back to its original intent. God promises me restoration. That's your fill in the blank. He promises me restoration. God has something he wants to do through me, through you. This is exciting. I don't know if you guys, like, I want to get up in the morning knowing that I'm, I'm in the middle of the will of God. I want to know that I'm doing exactly what he designed me to do, not exactly what I want or I think I should be doing. But actually that fulfillment comes from doing what he's designed me to do. Now, if you don't shout on this next scripture, you need to check your pulse, okay? But look at this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, it says, It is in Christ that we, here we are in cup number three, by the way, find out who we are and what we are living for. You need to know that. If you don't know who you are and what you are living for, then you haven't realized this third promise, which is, which is what? It's to reveal your uniqueness and then show you what to do with the way God has designed you. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Is this incredible? had designs for us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Amen. Come on, somebody. You ought to shout to God for that. That's an incredible, incredible promise of God for us. All that to say is that God has a plan for your life, and, it can make it, and he wants to make a difference on the earth, this planet, through you. And that's the third cup, and that's his plan from all along. But here's the sad part is, some of you don't know what that is. Still. You're still at cup two. You, you, haven't, you haven't gone to this, you haven't accepted this third offer that God has for you. You're not living that life and knowing what God, your, your piece in the puzzle, so to speak. 
And he wants to accomplish this through a people of God. And, and I'm going to help you find it as we go forward, but that's the purpose of our church. I realized years ago that the vision of a church shouldn't be you help me fulfill my vision. My vision is to help you find out what your vision is and help you fulfill that. And we want to do things that mine for, surface the way God created you, and, and develop that person and then deploy and release them and, and get them doing what God's... And that's where you see life really take a whole new level of meaning for people. Here's the fourth one. Everybody say the fourth cup. I will take you as my own people. This is, the, this is the final promise. It's the most intriguing one to me of all. It's the one that most people miss and don't see in the scriptures. The previous three cups, it's so cool because they're all working on, if you look at all three of them, they're all working on you, you, the third one, you, but the last one is, is not you, it's on, it's people. It's you, 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 and then people. Catch this. In this stage of God's development and his plan in your life, he, he, he moves from working on a person and he moves on working through a people and connecting you to a people. You, you getting this out there? He, he, gets the, he gets you out. He gets the junk out of you. He reveals his plan and then he connects you to a people to do something bigger than you could do by yourself. And that's where all the fun comes in. That's when, that's when life becomes large and in charge for you. That's when it starts to have significance. And God, listen, God never fulfills his best through a person. He always fulfills his best through a people. You can see it all through the Bible. He always puts you in a group. You will never find it or see it in scripture where he doesn't do something, with, where he does something great through just someone. He always does it uh, uh, through a people. He's always making a body of Christ. He's always wanting to put you together. And there's, this whole thing becomes indescribable in the process. Let me say it this way. You'll never know. Let me say it as, as strong and emphatic as I can. You'll never how, know how great life can be until you're part of a team making a difference. You won't. You look at the most meaningful things in the natural, outside of the divine nature of God, they're always when people are a part of something bigger than themselves. We're always a part of a team. You can take sports analogy, business analogies. You can take philanthropic you know, efforts or whatever it is. It's always greater when you're not doing something by yourself. You'll never see it. And I'm dangling this offer in front of you because it has a guarantee to it. If you're, if you're still living, you know, letting your glands show you how to live, then you'll never accept this offer. You'll never, you'll never get to this place. You'll never, you got to get out. But once you get out, you got to get the junk out of you. And then once you get the junk out of you, we got to help you figure out what is your design, what is your unique expression on the earth. And he's going to then place you. And I believe he's done this already. According with Acts chapter 17, he's placed you in a certain time in a certain, of, of, of human history, a certain place geographically. And then he wants to place you with a certain people relationally to accomplish something greater than yourself. That's what he's up to. God promises me through this fulfillment. Fulfillment. That's the last and fill in the blank. He wants you to not be, the enemy steal something from you, but he wants you to live life to the full. Can I have an amen? amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down front right now, and I want to I pray for you guys. Did you guys get something out of that this morning? There are some of you out here that are in different phases in this journey. But I'm telling you, if you can internalize these four cups and what God is trying to show you, what is happening through you on the earth, what he wants to do through you on the earth, it will literally change your life. I promise. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. 
we're going to sing a song in just a minute that really just expresses in particular this first cup this the gospel of Jesus Christ really in a in a powerful and profound way but I'd like to do this I'd like you to just close your eyes I want to pray for you right where you are and for everybody that's listening online maybe you just need to close your eyes as well sitting there by the computer or the television but there are some people here who haven't maybe experienced this first cup this first offer the first and most important one of all is that is that God wants to get us out of the world the consequence of the world the bondage of this world slavery to sin and the consequences of it and if and if you're here today maybe it's expressed like this Derek I, I, I don't know. I, I, God seems a million miles away from me. That's, that might be a litmus test that you're here at this first cup. You need to accept his first offer. And, and maybe you're here today and say, but I want to know him. I don't, but I want to. Or maybe you had that relationship, but it, but it got broken. Something got in the way. How do you know? How do you know if it's broken, Pastor? How do you know, Derek, if it's, if it's if sidelined? I would just say, are you following God's plan? Or are you following your own? Are you living for God? Or are you living for yourself? That's how you know. Let me say it another way. You know, are you calling the shots? That's why it's so cool because salvation is expressed very simply in the book of Ephesians, but it basically says that we must confess him as Savior, but also as Lord, as Lord, where he's calling the shots, where he's large and in charge in your life. Salvation is that first cup is saying, I've decided. I've decided to follow Jesus. That starts the journey, this incredible journey, where at each phase there's more and there's more and there's more. The whole journey starts with this. And if that's you and you know God is speaking to you today, if you know that he's tugging on your heart and you want to know Christ personally, would you just right where you're at, you don't have to, this is between you and God. You don't necessarily have to come down front here or pray with somebody else. This is between you and God and me. But if that's, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to make sure that I have that relationship with him. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, sir, all the way to the back. Is there anybody else that says that's me? I don't want God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Church, would you, would you, those of us that have already experienced this first cup and those that just raised your hand, every head bow, every eye closed, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you say this? We say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying for my sin. I'm so grateful. Today I receive your forgiveness but first I repent I choose to change direction that means I'm no longer gonna live for myself but I'm gonna live for you you laid down your life for me and now I choose to give my whole life to you I will follow you with all my heart come inside me right now and make me a brand new person I give you my life I can't wait for this journey that you're taking me on. I believe there's more. There's more. There's more in Christ Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet? Would you just stand to your feet? And let's thank God for that.